Season 2, Episode 4. Welcome to the Baseline Feed Podcast. This is our fourth episode this season, and seriously, your support means the world to us. We must thank you all for your continued support. Are you a writer or a voice actor? We could work with you. Get more information at BaselineFeed.com or send a voice demo to casting at BaselineFeed.com. Also, check out our website for more information. Here, we are presenting the story of a young woman and her husband during their hunt for their first home. While settling into their seaside home, she begins to experience some interesting things within the house and also out on the town. It's up to you to discover what those things are in a story brought to you by Alice Elmore, alongside the voices of C.M. Peters and T.J. Hodder. On behalf of the Baseline Feed team, we hope you enjoy Widow's Walk. I found our house. We'll have to be quick. It just came on the market, and if we want to get it, we'll have to put an offer in today. I can't get up there today. I'll send you pictures, but trust me, you are going to love this place. It was built in the 1860s. It's five bedrooms upstairs, which can be an Airbnb, a large kitchen, dining room, and a sitting room with a huge fireplace. That's not even the best part. On the roof... There's this railing around the edge, and in the center, there's this glassing room that opens up into this open area. They call it a widow's walk, I guess, but I think we might just call it the writer's studio. Aaron obviously couldn't sense my frustration. He'd done this so many times. Doodling on my notebook, I softened, having drawn a rabbit popping out of a top hat. Aaron, we can't just buy a house sight unseen. It's not sight unseen. I've seen it, and it's perfect. Let me send you the pictures. Fine. Send them, and I'll get back to you. Aaron was right. Houses were selling fast, and we kept missing out. No sooner would we find the perfect place than it would be snatched out from under us by a nimbler buyer. I received a decent inheritance, so we were financially set to buy. Problem was that we were procrastinators. Well, one of us was, anyways. I looked at the new email. I stared at the pictures in disbelief. Aaron was right. We had to buy this place. It was perfect. 
Moving day was chaotic, which wasn't surprising. It's not easy packing up while you're trying to write a book and Aaron was still traveling a lot, so most of the work fell on my shoulders. Even so, on the appointed day, we handed in our keys to the old place, waved goodbye to friends and neighbors, and headed off in our beat-up station wagon. The house was big and empty, but once the moving van arrived, we slowly filled the sitting room with boxes of stuff from our tiny apartment in the city. We envisioned visiting the quaint antique shops around the area to find just the right pieces, but in the meantime, we had a bed to sleep in, kitchen items, and most important of all, the desk for my new writer's studio. The challenge was getting it up there. Getting into the cupola on the roof required climbing a wooden ladder, literally rung strung between parallel rods of wood. Seriously, a staircase would have been so much easier, but I reasoned that at least unwanted visitors would have to work to interrupt me. Aaron and I stared at the trapdoor-like opening and figured my makeshift desk would fit through the opening. After a quick game of rock-paper-scissors, I got to choose who did what. I climbed up the ladder, ready to receive the pieces as Aaron lifted them up from below. Emerging into the little room, I stared out the glass at the endless sea beyond. The view was astounding, and I felt completely lost in it. Grab the cabinet! I snapped out of my trance and grabbed the cabinet he was pushing through the opening. Got it! Aaron, you gotta check out this view! Isn't it incredible? <sighs> What's incredible? The view, stupid! I turned to look at him, but there was no one there. Mystified, I looked around and saw Aaron standing on the top rung, looking across the floor at me. What? I was sure I felt him standing behind me, but he was still on the ladder. I shook my head and forgot about it. We finished setting up my little studio and turned our attention to setting up the bedroom. I know it's cliché to say, but if I had known then what I know now... We would have put that house back on the market, but isn't that the way it always goes? In the beginning, it was just little things, an item that would go missing and then turn up in another room, a door or window that you were sure you closed but found open, a footstep or a whisper when you were alone. At first, I blamed my imagination. I was under a lot of pressure to complete my book. Working late into the night, I told Aaron to go to bed without me, and on those nights, I sat in my eyrie, surrounded by stars, listening to the sea. It was on of these dark, moonless nights that I first encountered her. It was hard to track her. She was like a dark spot that blocked out the stars as she moved. She was pacing along the railing, occasionally stopping to look out across the endless expanse of water. It wasn't the sight of her that disturbed me so much as the feeling. I could feel her thoughts. She was sad, willing him to come home, and I found myself feeling the same, longing for him, whoever he was. The shadow didn't appear every night, and I didn't work late every night. Still, I would find myself distracted for no reason, and in those moments, I would climb the ladder walk out the door and would stand at the railing, staring at the horizon. I felt her beside me often. Was she using me to call her lost lover home? I couldn't say for sure, but I felt complicit in her desire. 
At first, Aaron didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. He was a freelance photographer and quite busy, while I was busy trying to finish my book. Boo! I had been vacantly staring into my coffee mug and jumped. My coffee mug tipped over, spilling hot liquid onto the table and my lap. Ow! Sorry, I didn't realize you were so jumpy! Furiously, I unzipped my jeans and pulled them off to see how badly I had been burned while he ran over to get a cloth and some burn cream. I winced as he wiped the burned areas. What kind of idiot scares someone holding a hot cup of coffee? Honestly, Aaron, I don't know who you are anymore. Me? I'm not the one getting up at all hours of the night wandering around on the roof. Look, I think you're working too hard. How about we take the day off? Do a little retail therapy. We still have a lot of rooms to furnish. His warm smile and loving eyes melted my anger. You're right. I am a bit distracted. And? And jittery, okay? Okay, now let's go bargain hunting. I changed and rushed downstairs while he was waiting with one hand on the doorknob and the other dangling car keys. I went through the door and froze, trembling. I was overcome with this overwhelming reluctance to leave. Are we not going? Come on. Hey! I was about to change my mind, but Aaron walked over, grabbed me, and maneuvered me to the car. I looked back towards the house, shrinking in the distance, and I felt that I was abandoning her. What should have been a pleasant afternoon, a quiet diversion, turned out to be the exact opposite. Aaron found a big barn that had been converted into an antique store that housed everything from high-end wood stoves to baskets of oddball knickknacks. I left Aaron scrounging through a box of old vinyl records as I wandered through various little rooms that housed various collectibles. One room contained several racks of old clothes, the sort of things you might find in an op shop. I ran my hand over them, felt the different textures, and took in their musty odors. I thought about all the people who had once worn these things. Where were they now? Had they outgrown these items or just got tired of them? Another room housed shelves of colorful plastic bowls from the 60s and 70s and glassware of all sorts. I picked up a yellow-cut glass goblet and stared through it at the items in the room. Everything had a vintage cast. Finally, I wandered into a small, dark room at the very back of the store. This room held paraphernalia of whaling ships. On one wall hung a long, slim object that the sign underneath described as a whale penis. Below that, there were various styles and sizes of harpoons. I ran my hand over the smooth wood of one. It was as if I was on a small boat. I felt the cold salt spray and buck of the boat plowing through waves. I jerked my hand away quickly and the sensation ceased. My imagination had to be running in high gear. I stepped further into the room, looking at the miniature ships and bottles, heavy metal objects that must have once been on a boat, and thick rope nets. I noticed a black and white photo that was hanging on the wall as I wandered among these items. In the background, there was a sailing ship, and in the foreground stood a group of men. I studied the photo, my eyes drawn to a man wearing a black coat and a black cap that covered his long hair. 
The photo was grainy, but I was shocked to recognize the man in the photo. The resemblance was unmistakable, despite the graininess of the photo and beard. It was Aaron. <gasps> I freaked out and ran. Aaron was at the counter paying for some albums and called out, but I didn't care. I kept running. I didn't stop until I got to our car and began to breathe heavily. Aaron joined me shortly and I was leaning against our station wagon, breathing hard. Are you okay? No. I want to go home. Okay. Aaron nodded and we left. All the way home, he kept stealing glances my way, but I just stared out the window, unable to explain what had upset me. As soon as he parked the car, I ran inside and headed to the widow's walk, looking out at sea. It wasn't long after we learned I was pregnant. For Aaron, that explained everything, and he almost convinced me as well. The footsteps continued out on the roof. I finished the book, and Aaron set up the nursery. Things took on a kind of normal. Aaron insisted I avoid going to my studio in the Coppola as the baby bump grew. I don't want you climbing the ladder. It's too dangerous for you right now. We worked around the house, decorated more spaces, although with the baby on the way, we were not likely to rent out rooms. However, we were planning for the future. Everything had been coming together nicely, and then I started having nightmares after the storm. It started simple enough. There was a nor'easter that blew in, wreaking havoc. Aaron had closed the storm shutters on the windows of the house, but the writing studio was unprotected. Aaron threw more logs on the fire in the sitting room as the storm raged. Aaron and I jumped and the lights went out. Aaron had torches ready, so he gave me one and took the other. Stay put. Where are you going? It's all right. I'm just going to go upstairs and check for damage. Don't go. Aaron placed his hand firmly on my shoulders and kissed the top of my head, soothing me. I won't be long. Now you and the baby stay put. I'll be right back. He seemed to be gone for hours. The storm raged outside, and inside, the light from the fire created shadow figures that danced on the wall. I could have sworn I saw one of those whaling boats with the big sails at one point. It seemed to toss and buck, disappearing one moment, then reappearing the next. I watched with a terrified fixation. The images were so intense that I hadn't realized that Aaron was standing behind me until I felt pressure on my shoulders. Can you see those shapes in the shadows? I waited for him to answer, but there was no response. I thought he was as fixated as I, but when the lights came on, there was no one there. I was alone. I nearly stopped breathing, and everything felt deathly quiet. Ah! Hey, 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 it's okay, it's okay, everything's okay. It's just a broken window upstairs and some papers blowing around. It's okay. Aaron kept repeating that as he held me in an attempt to calm me down as I flailed in panic. I don't remember much more of that night. I just know that after the storm I started having nightmares. 
In my dreams, I saw the man on the boat, sails flapping madly in the wind, while the rain slammed against his face. Aaron was the captain with the long hair and the black cap, and despite his face contorting as he screamed into the wind, I could see clearly it was him. I would wake up screaming and see Aaron's face looking intently at me, then cry with relief to see him safe and sound. All those horrible nights, I would cling to him, and he would hold and comfort me until sleep wrenched me away once more. Was it the widow or the house trying to warn me? The baby was only weeks away when Aaron told me he was going on a short trip up the coast. It was a simple job. Film an old schooner that was being brought in for some festival. A nothing shoot, really. There were storm warnings, but Aaron said not to worry. He would be back before it arrived. When I told him I was frightened, he thought I was afraid for myself, but he was wrong. The storm was no danger to me or our baby. You see, the house had taken to us, and we were protected. I felt the storm before it arrived, and as the ominous clouds built over the darkening sea, I was compelled to climb the ladder to the widow's walk. Standing at the railing as a wild wind whipped the sea into a frenzy, I knew that the house had brought us together. Lightning flashed and I turned to her. For the first time I saw her face, and it was like looking in a mirror. The storm was brief and passed as quickly as it had arrived. I was back in the nursery putting away last-minute purchases by the time they came knocking at the door. I opened the door to find policemen and fainted at the sight of them. Later, I was told the whole story. There had been a terrible accident caused by the storm and Aaron's car had run off the road. That was months ago, and I'm coming to terms with it. Sometimes, after the baby has gone to sleep, I climb to my old studio and go out on the widow's walk. I stare at the ocean and know that she's standing beside me. Interesting twist, wasn't it? You'll never see a seaside widow's walk the same way again. Once again, thank you to Alice Elmore for this breathtaking spin on a great story. And let's highlight our voice talent. C.M. Peters of Baseline Feed as the narrator and main character, and T.J. Hotter of The Hotter Show as Aaron. The sound design was by C.M. Peters, who also provided the musical arrangements and the episode artwork. We also have a Patreon. We would like to express our eternal love and gratitude to our patrons. You guys really do help make it possible to bring you quality content and our authors and voice talent more exposure. 
If you would also like our eternal love and gratitude, along with other goodies, check us out on Patreon. You can find the link to it on our website, BaselineFeed.com. One last reminder, you can join us on Discord for more behind-the-scenes stuff. A link to it will be provided in the show notes. Thank you for joining us, and make sure to tune in every other Saturday on your favorite podcast app to listen to a new episode of Baseline Feed.